I'm Elena Becker, and this is PS, the Puget Sound Podcast, where we're talking with members of our community about their Puget Sound experiences. Today we're recording from Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and our guest is Ruby Kreitzman, a rising senior from Hopkins, Minnesota, and a double major in politics and government and environmental policy and decision making. Hey, Ruby. Hey, Elena. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Very glad to have you. I should say that I'm a little nervous to have you here because you have a radio background. Oh, yes. Don't be too nervous. You know, I'm just a pro in the field. But (laughs) yeah, Um, yeah, I've had a radio show in the past on KUPS and it's super fun. It's called Hack Hack Smooch Smooch, which is a (laughs) twist off of the cheer because we're the loggers, Hack Hack Chop Chop. Uh But people come on my talk show and tell me their (laughs) love problems and I solve them. It's Uh very fun. I have no credibility and I don't know why they let me have it. But, you know, I'm a love expert. I took (laughs) Psychology 101, um, and I'm a wilderness first responder, so those are my qualifications. So you have some first aid background and some psychology background. You know, first aid, like mental first aid maybe would qualify me a little bit. But you you don't have that. Well, no, but it could it could be under the umbrella of first aid. They don't need to know that, you know? Sure. If you tell people you're first aid certified, you think they assume that covers mental first aid? You know, you got a Band-Aid for a cut and you got a— You got a talk you, show for a love problem? Yeah, you know, you got support and advice, you know? So. Well, you just give—what kind of—what's a question somebody called in with one time? Well, people can't actually call in. You have to have guests <laughs> on the show. So so you identify people in your personal life who are having a hard time and ask them to come on your talk show? Well, kind of. We have a Twitter, which has <laughs> zero followers and uh-huh. zero tweets, which we intended to use to tweet at people right. so they would want to come on the show. But That's persuasive. Um, yeah, but we never got around to our social media presence, so we just— um, Got our name out in the community. You know, people reached out to us. We reached out to them. Uh People that we knew had interesting stories. We um, had people on the air that were looking for love. You know, we had people on the air that were engaged, people that were dating. And they talked about all the reasons that they loved each other, which was really cute. Did anybody ever come on, like, pre-breakup and talk about the reasons they didn't love somebody? Um, well, Do you ever no. have a scandal? Well, not really a scandal, but actually kind of a scandal because we had this section called Tinder Talk where I pulled <laughs> out my personal Tinder and we decided <laughs> with our guests if we sh- should swipe right or left. And Whoa. we got in a little bit of trouble with that one because we were using fake names and we weren't fully describing them. But because we were describing them, we got in a bit of trouble. So we had to cut that segment. So uh-huh. I'm sorry to any of you out there that wanted to listen to that. Um, sure. But, you know, yeah. But that was probably our biggest scandal. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Just a lot of interesting people came on. And when you say our, did you have a co-host for Hack Hack Smooch Smooch? I did have a co-host. She graduated and we did it together. Okay. Is mm-hmm. it still going? Um. Well, you have to reapply each semester for a radio show. Right. And, and you were just abroad, so you were not... Yeah, right. I was just in Tanzania, so I didn't have the radio show, and um, my co-host just graduated. So I think That's I would have two to obstacles. do obstacles. Yeah, so I think I would have to do a twist off of Hack Hack Smooch Smooch, but I definitely want to stay on the radio. You know, I like it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have the voice for it. Oh, thank you. Maybe thank this you. podcast can be your jumping off point. To Maybe get this back is my claim to fame. This well, certainly it's that. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is your fifteen minutes. So <laughs> fifteen use it minutes well. of fame. Okay, I should tell some more jokes. Yeah. Do you have one now? 
No. Okay. Not, I'll, have to, I'll have to think of one. Okay. Work mm-hmm. up to one. Okay, great. In the meantime, uh, tell us about Tanzania. Yeah. So I just got back from Tanzania. I was there for four months on a study abroad program. Um, it was like SIT, School for International Training, and it was focused on wildlife conservation and political ecology. So um, I'm not a science person. And it was a lot of science, but it was really cool. We were on safari for 40 days, like split up throughout the four months. So um, we were camping and excuse me, national parks for 40 days. And um, then we did a month-long homestay, and we spent some time in, like, local villages. And then we had a month-long research project at the end of the semester. What did you do your research project on? Um, I focused on women in conservation. So I was looking at the correlation between women involved in community-based conservation and women empowerment. So it's pretty cool. I traveled to three different like villages outside of national parks and I got to interview some really cool women doing some awesome things in conservation so that was super cool. Will you um, just expand on that a little like what kind of people did you talk to what yeah. kind of stuff did you find out? Yeah so I was asking questions about um, like the program they're involved in because uh, national parks will involve local community members so they can get benefits off of like um, tourism profits. So um, there was a really cool program where they gave this like group of women funding to grow mushrooms so they could sell it to the community. So um, by giving those women like the education and the resources to grow those mushrooms, in return, the women took classes on um, like how how to do conservation in the community. So they were learning how to like cut down less trees and um, like substitute substitute firewood for like um, other things that are more sustainable. So um, it was kind of like a give and take of like the women got resources and education and then the national park kind of engaged the community members so they could have conservation like outside of the national parks, which was cool. So I was asking them about programs they were involved in um, and like the if they felt empowered by their involvement. So a lot of women talked about like social empowerment, the empowerment of like sending their um, children to school and being able to feed their family. So it was cool to look at the difference of like empowerment and like Western cultures and how we talk about it here versus like in Tanzania, there was a lot of like economic empowerment Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, like social empowerment. Right now I'm reading Melinda Gates' book that just is a strong word, but that just came out sometime Mm -hmm. in the last year, The Moment of Lift. And her sort of thesis in that book is centered around um, the fact, it's well documented, Mm -hmm. that when you empower women, when you give women resources, specifically when you give women contraceptives Mm -hmm. and control over that part of their life, Mm -hmm. that the whole communities benefit. The Mm -hmm. economic status and well-being of a community goes Mm -hmm. up. The education levels of children, health levels of children improve. So Mm -hmm. even though you're talking about it and looking at it in the context of conservation, Mm -hmm. that kind of um, empowerment and tool giving for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. is really well documented as having spillover into all different areas of life. Yeah, that's definitely true because um, women kind of like drive the force in the community. They don't necessarily have like the social power within the community, but they're the ones that are taking care of their families and um, making sure that their children are uh, getting education and food. And so they kind of have the... um, 
resources to kind of drive the community and the women are more impacted by conservation because they are able to go get firewood and they get the resources for their family that they need. So when women are empowered, they're able to give back more to the community and help families more. And so um, that's why a lot of these programs focus on women empowerment, because when you empower the women in these communities, more change uh, can like happen and um, they're able to like impact their families more. What was the most surprising thing to you about your time in Tanzania? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, how, like, modern it was? It definitely mm-hmm. wasn't, like, as modern as the U.S. or, like, Western countries are, but I kind of pictured it to be, like, super rural and kind of, like, stereotypical, like, Africa. But um, when we were staying in Arusha, there was, like, a grocery store, and there were a lot of, like— um, like more like westernized things popping up within the city and so um it surprised me that it wasn't like what I had seen or like pictured Mm -hmm. and how people kind of portray Africa it was definitely like a little more modern than that and um I was actually surprised to see that people do carry everything on their heads like (laughs) everyone is carrying things on their heads like bananas and like a lot of people would donate Crocs, like, to Tanzania. So mm-hmm. women would have, like, bouquets of Crocs, like, on their heads. Selling them? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was, like, surprising. And um, it was also surprising how we were able to, like, engage with the wildlife in the national parks because we um, were camping and our tents were, like, set up in the national park and there weren't, um, like, fences or gates or anything. So, like, giraffes and elephants and wildebeest would walk right through our campsites. Mm -hmm. And, like, one night I woke up and got out of my tent and there were two giraffes just, like, standing right above my tent. Oh, my God. Yeah, and so (laughs) that was super surprising because I was, like, really nervous by that, but the animals interact with that all the time and so do like the wildlife experts and so there are people on watch but like we would wake up and there would be like lions like a couple like yards away so that I think I do not think I couldn't have handled that (laughs) yeah I mean it definitely do you get used to it does the shock of like oh my god that's a lion wear off um I mean, not really because it's so cool, you know, like there's you're looking at a real lion, you know, and it's like not in a zoo. It's like living its life. Yeah. Um, But it definitely I mean, it was cool every time it happened. Like there were hyenas walking in a line like with their heads bobbing, kind of like the Lion King, like through our campsite one night. And that was just like so cool and so shocking that they just like are strutting through you know and my friend was um coming out of like where the like building where we ate and like a wildebeest was like staring her in the eyes when she opened the door so it's pretty cool well and I actually want to circle back to one of the things you said sort of at the start of my asking what surprised you which is Mm -hmm. the like extent of sort of modern convenience Mm -hmm. um I also studied abroad in sub-Saharan Africa, which is a huge category and sort of ridiculous to compare in. But I went to Madagascar as an undergraduate. And that was one of the things that struck me when I came back is how much people had a really particular idea Mm -hmm. of what Africa as a homogenous unit Mm -hmm. would be like. And so, first of all, it's insane to talk about Africa, Mm -hmm. which is huge and encompasses so many countries Mm -hmm. and um, ecosystems and cultures and languages and religions Mm -hmm. and is just a huge unit. Yeah. But I think in part because of media representations and there's all kinds Mm -hmm. of good scholarship that attributes this to all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
people in, I'll say in the U.S., but I think probably in many other countries as well, mm-hmm. really do have this sort of fixed idea mm-hmm. of rural, impoverished Africa. And that's one of the things that was so powerful to me about going, even though I only spent four months in Madagascar, which is mm-hmm. a tiny amount of time. Yeah. But to see and be reminded, oh, yeah, people have full, interesting, complex modern for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. lives everywhere yeah and it's definitely cool because they don't have the same type of modern as here but it's like modern for them in a different way and it definitely was like shocking to see like buildings in a city just because of the way that um I've like learned about Africa in the past you know and Mm -hmm. so I definitely think because it's such a big place and I've come back and everyone's like how was Africa you know (laughs) like you guys (laughs) I'm like there's a lot of different parts of it and I like definitely learn that like I feel like I would have probably asked someone like how was Africa if they were studying abroad Mm -hmm. there but now that I've been there because like Tanzania is so different from Kenya which like is on the border like I could see Kenya but there's so many differences and like um like Tanzania and Madagascar you know so it's hard to kind of put that under one same category and I feel like that happens often but and then it's kind of like very rural very just like um like not very modern but well, and when you note different types of modernity, too, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are all kinds of interesting case studies. Like Rwanda has a quota system for including women in its government mm-hmm. and as a result has one of the most gender diverse governments in the world yeah. because there are requirements for it. And so you see that sort of manifesting itself across the continent mm-hmm. in really interesting ways also. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely a good point. And I feel like those things aren't highlighted super often. Mm-hmm. No. How did you decide on Tanzania? Um, I wanted to go somewhere that I wouldn't normally be able to go travel or didn't feel comfortable. Like I knew I could probably navigate my way through Europe and like probably like Southeast Asia and stuff and Australia. But um, I definitely wouldn't just like hop on over to like East Africa for four months. It wasn't Um, something that you would have seen yourself doing without the infrastructure of study abroad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without um, like a set program. And so I kind of chose that location and the credits lined up really well with my Mm -hmm. majors. And so um, also I wanted a program that was really outdoor focused. Like I really love camping and the idea of like camping in national parks was really awesome. Waking to me. up with giraffes over your Yeah, tent. I mean that yeah. is pretty cool, you know? And so the classes sounded interesting. The idea of doing research sounded really awesome as well. So I chose the program because of the like wildlife conservation aspect of it. Um, and even though it was kind of a science-based program, I still got to learn a lot about um, like environmental policies mm-hmm. and which I should note, although people have already heard me say this, is mm-hmm. what you're studying here at Puget Sound. You're a double major in environmental policy and decision making mm-hmm. and politics and government. Yes. How did you end up with those two majors? Um, that's a great question. I came in knowing I wanted to do something like focused on policy. And I think as my time at Puget Sound came like more political, you know, because it's such um, like a forward thing these days you know I realized that um, environmental policy is like really important right now and um, I actually so I'm from Minnesota and there's this place called the Boundary Waters and mm-hmm. I go like canoeing there every summer I was a camp counselor up there for years and there's like proposed mining in the Boundary Waters right now and so I actually decided to be an environmental policy major so I could like 
give back and try to like fight mm. the sulfide mining, like the proposition. So um, that's why I decided on environmental policy because of like my hometown, I guess. Are you, is that something you see yourself doing once you graduate or have you been able to do any of it already, like on summers or remotely from Tacoma? Um, well, I've spent my summers up at the Boundary Waters for the past three summers. And um, I like when I'm home, I'll go to different rallies and different um, events that the like nonprofit Save the Boundary Waters will put on. Um, but I definitely want to either go into environmental law, like go to law school mm -hmm. in a few years. And I definitely could see myself working for them post-grad. Sure. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Tori Hansen, Assistant Director of Admission at Puget Sound, working with students in the Mid-Atlantic and in the San Francisco Bay Area, as well as all of our transfer students. If you like what you hear on this podcast, you can learn even more about Puget Sound by coming to campus. Schedule your visit at pugetsound.edu visit. We'd love to host you. So you grew up in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. How do you decide to come to Puget Sound? That's a good question, and I get asked that a lot because it's like a pretty random place to end up from Minnesota, you Although, know? weirdly, a lot of Minnesotans do come here. Weirdly, a lot of Minnesotans come here. Yeah. Um. Well, let's see. How did I end up here? I actually knew about it kind of going back to the camp that I was talking about. A lot of my camp counselors went here when I was a camper. Mm -hmm. And I think because, like, my camp has very similar values as Puget Sound, you know, we're focused on community and, um, like, getting to know people kind of on that deeper level and the outdoors. And so I kind of just, like, knew about Puget Sound going, like, growing up. And my admission counselor, um, Andy Marshall, he went to my high school. And this is super random. I actually knew his dad because he would volunteer with my ski team when I was a cross-country skier. Small world. Small world. So then I, like, knew my admission counselor's dad when I was applying here. And my older what a great in. I know, you know. I was like, how's Bob doing? <laughs> um, and my older sister, she's two years older than me, and she um, chose to go to Puget Sound when I had already in the back of my mind kind of knew that I was interested in looking at it so people thought I was following in her footsteps but I was actually the one that suggested that she applied here so I'm going to take that credit on the air right now <laughs> um, but so she came to school here and then absolutely loved it um, got involved in such cool things that I could see myself getting involved in and when I came to visit her um, it felt really comfortable and my visit was like kind of rigged because she had me meet <laughs> people in the outdoors program someone who had an older sibling at Puget Sound and um, my tour guide was like this really cool person that she knew I would get along with but <laughs> I ended up choosing Puget Sound because just like the community felt so good. I remember walking around campus and people would like smile at me and I yeah. was like, why are they smiling at me? But it's just because everyone is really friendly and there were just a lot of things that I could see myself getting involved with like Puget Sound Outdoors or like KUPS, the radio show um, station. And so I kind of just decided that, um, you know, I think this is the place. And someone gave me some really good advice. They told me to look in a mirror and list off all the schools that I was looking at. Whichever one I smiled when I said it, <laughs> that's when I should go to. So I remember like saying all of the colleges I was looking at like right at the end. And then I said Puget Sound and I smiled and it was, you know, that's how I decided. And here you are. Here I am. 
One of the many things that you're involved in, and I will go out on a limb and say probably the thing you're most involved in right now is you've been an orientation leader. Yes. You Mm -hmm. right now are one of the student coordinators for orientation, Mm -hmm. so you're uh, very in charge. Yes, very in charge. Yeah. And orientation is coming right up in, Mm -hmm. what, three weeks? A little more than that. Mm, I think like five. Five. I just cut half your time to prep. Oh, my gosh. It might be four. Today's the 23rd. Oh, yeah, it's coming up here. I got to get on my work. Well, <laughs> you got to stop hanging out on podcasts. I know, right? I got to get back. Uh, will you tease a little bit of what's coming up in orientation? If students who are admitted, who are arriving at Puget Sound in mm-hmm. August are listening to us, um, what can they expect? Yeah, I'll leak some details here. <laughs> um, so this orientation is going to be super awesome. I've spent all summer planning it and organizing. With a full team, we should acknowledge. Yes. You're oh, one of four student coordinators. I'm one of four student coordinators, and I'm in a team of seven Eight people, team of eight people yeah. with like professional staff and students. And so we've all been working together to plan orientation and it's been a big job, but it's been so much fun. So um, basically students will arrive on campus on Saturday, on a Saturday. August 24th. August 24th. Yes, a good day. And <laughs> You'll get to kind of settle in and figure out where you're living, probably meet your roommate. And carry your stuff up to your room. Carry that mini day. fridge up four flights of stairs. Did you, you know? have to? You didn't have to do no, that. No, I was only on the second floor. But yeah. some people have to do I'm not that. Not that many people. Well, yeah. Okay, so there maybe are elevators. one to two flights of stairs. A you few know. flights of stairs. Or you might even not need a mini fridge, you know? Like, that's a luxury <laughs> item. <laughs> you know, I had a microwave, too, so that was pretty good. You're living the high life. I know, Just as right? a quick sidebar, because I want to hear more about orientation, mm-hmm. what was the best thing you ever cooked in your dorm room using your mini fridge and your microwave? That is such a good question. I think I just, like, warmed up stuff. Stuff and cooled it down. <laughs> Using your microwave and your mini food. Well, what I innovative I, use. I don't think I. Oh, here's. I wasn't. This doesn't have to do with either of those, but it is relevant. Great. My <laughs> freshman year roommate moved in and had a grill, and she put it in our room. Like that can't a, be allowed. No, it's not. Well, she didn't grill in the room. She just put the oh, grill okay, in she our just, room. An, an unlit grill. Unlit grill in our room. But it's like full size. No open. You can't have a hot. You can't have no, an open heat source that could no. start a fire. She was not grilling in my room let's clarify that Great. no grilling happened in my room but the grill and the bag of coal sat <laughs> in the middle of my room and she would fill the fridge with like meat and all this like kebab stuff and then she would grill out on the quad she'd take it outside she had so many friends I was, that's a great idea yeah, actually uh-huh. that's an a plus she tip. met so many people that way and it was great did you yeah. also meet people that way did you hang out at the um, grilling are no, you not a grill kind of person i mean I maybe went to one of the grilling events, a cookout, if you will. Um, uh, sure. But, you know, I'm a pretty busy gal, so... Too busy for grilling? Too busy for grilling, maybe. But, you know, we we are still great friends. We definitely have, like, different crowds, which yeah. is totally fine. And that was really fun because we could come back in the room and have our little, like, roommate bonding time. And we could, like, talk about our friends that we made and stuff. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so she had a grill and would grill often, many different things. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you're too busy for grilling, but not too busy for orientation. So not people too busy. can carry their mini fridge, microwave, grill 
bag of bag coal, of coal mm-hmm. up to their rooms mm-hmm. on Saturday, August 24th. And yep. then what happens after they've completed those tasks? <laughs> so once you've completed those tasks, check them off your list and then head over to um, your like equipment check or like group check-in. Um, so you'll get to meet your orientation leaders and the other people in your groups. And it definitely depends on what um, like group you're in, which I'll talk about in a second. But um, so you'll get to like meet some people that night. And there are some other events that day too. Yeah. There's convocations. There will be a big event in the football stadium. There will be a picnic for students and for their guests or their families. So Mm -hmm. there's um, some good programming through that day and the next day. Yes, you'll definitely get acquainted uh, to campus. You'll get to meet some people. It's very high energy, so if you feel exhausted, you are not the only one. (laughs) Um, But people just want to welcome you to campus and make you feel excited and ready to go and be a student. So. I'll just interject and say move-in day is one of my favorite days of the year always. Mm -hmm. I love seeing people arrive. I love watching people get Mm -hmm. settled. I love seeing people sort of relax as the day goes on and they realize it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love seeing which parents tap out Mm -hmm. about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and Mm -hmm. go like lie under a tree with a dog where clearly (laughs) they've said like you guys keep working on this liner paper in the dresser right I'm gonna go take the dog for a walk and then yeah. there are like people with a newspaper and their dog under a tree oh yeah moving day is so fun especially when you're like when you've already done moving day when you don't have to move in like I love helping people move in yeah. and I love standing out by the University of Puget Sound sign and taking pictures of all the families yeah. and everyone is so, I remember being so nervous on moving day but then realizing that I didn't have much to be nervous about because like orientation is there so that you're like making friends constantly. Yeah, you have some people to meet and know yeah. and learn their names right away. Mm-hmm. But also some advice for you all out there if you're moving in. Don't worry if you're not in a big friend group right away. It kind of makes it seem like there's a lot. Everyone has friends on the first day already, but nobody does. Nobody it's does. It's a lie. I know. Like on the first night, I called my mom and had her pick me up and I stayed in her hotel room. And then mm. the next day she dropped me off and she was like, see you in December. And then it was yep. great from there on out. And another tip for anybody listening is um, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You, you you can commit to campus. You mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. It is good to sit in the space for a little bit of like, oh, my God, this is new and I don't yeah. know anybody. But because of the way orientation is set up, yeah. in like two days, you will because everybody so gets friends. assigned a small group. Mm-hmm. You get to know those people. You go off campus and do some stuff with them. So mm-hmm. you really... Um, get to know people's Mm -hmm. names and get their phone numbers and have at least a little group of sort of Insta friends that Mm -hmm. you can say, like, let's go to the campus film or let's Mm -hmm. walk down to the water. Let's go get Thai food. Yeah. uh, Oh, yeah. Right off the bat. I remember pretty instantly I had people to, like, eat meals with and, like, go on walks around campus to kind of familiarize Mm -hmm. ourselves with Tacoma. So you definitely, like... You definitely have opportunities to do that. And one of those is the immersive experience Mm -hmm. during orientation. And so that is a three-day experience. It's Tuesday, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. And so um, you can find your information for orientation on your My Puget Sound account, which is your, like, online student portal. And so basically it's a group of about... 10 to 12 students with two leaders, and um, there's a ton of different options for those immersive experiences. So we have a lot of backpacking and overnight canoeing trips going out from um, Camp Parsons, which is a camp a couple hours away. And so those are really fun because you get to uh, get to know the outdoors, get to meet a group in that like outdoor setting. And then we do have some uh, groups that stay on Camp Parsons, some day canoe, day kayak groups that go out from there. And then we have a ton that go from campus. We have one called 
the experience the Pacific Northwest where one day you get to go on a hike, one day you do uh, like a volunteer activity, and then the next day you get to learn how to take public transportation and explore the Tacoma area and know what you can do after orientation, no places to go around campus. And so there's a lot of those. And then we have like musical arts, theater arts, zoos and aquariums, environmental activism. So there's about 60 of them. And so like all the students on campus will be doing something completely different, but is like in their area of interest. And so um, that's what we've been working on planning for a lot of the summer. And they all sound really awesome. We went over them this morning and like, I want to go on all of them. Mm -hmm. I was going to say everything that you just rattled off sounds fun. Yeah, they're all so fun. And it's exciting to see them all come together because we like last year was the first year that this orientation program happened. We kind of made a shift. And so um, they planned all of those completely from scratch. And then this year it got to go off of that and build on more. And so um, it's been awesome to figure out fun things to do in Tacoma and Seattle and in the outdoors. So, Mm -hmm. And we should say too that you're if you're an admitted student, you're enrolling this mm-hmm. fall, you're a new logger, your individualized immersive experience assignment is on your My Puget Sound. But anybody can go look at the general schedule mm-hmm. for orientation just by going to PugetSound.edu and searching Orientation 2019. Yeah. And you'll see a list of all the days involved in orientation. Mm-hmm. You can click through and see sort of the possible activities. So it'll just give you a, a actually pretty detailed sense of the scope of orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, we actually have a schedule that goes like day by day, pretty much exactly what you'll do. And then we we will be posting the immersive experience specific schedules so you can actually they're not up yet but they will be up so you can see um, your schedule for each day of your immersive experience so you can know what you're doing ahead of time. Do you know where that will be posted? That will also be on your My Puget Sound and I don't have a set date for that but we're working on it. So all of the specific immersive experience stuff on My Puget Sound general orientation mm-hmm. programming that everybody will get to do yes. on PugetSound.edu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, general information. Um, you can just look up orientation on the Puget Sound website. And then um, they kind of give overviews for each of the immersive experiences, but they do shift per year. So um, your like actual schedule will be posted eventually. Mm-hmm. And you'll get that um, like on... The first day, too, you'll get to see, like, what your schedule is. you get a copy when you check in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can also download the orientation app. I don't know what it's called at the moment, but that (laughs) will also have all the information for orientation and the schedules and everything going on that whole week. And there are directions for downloading that app also on the orientation page at Mm -hmm. PugetSound.edu. Yes, I should know where that is. um, If you are an app fan, that's your opportunity. uh, Yes, to to shine. To get wrap up all of our conversations with the same four questions. Great. Question one is, what's the best place on campus? Okay, that is a pretty hard one because there are a lot of good ones. Um, I really love sitting um, like on the steps outside of the library Mm. or there's kind of like, not benches, but like brick things you can sit on and so um, especially when the sun's kind of setting because it comes through the trees really pretty and like Usually if I'm studying in the library, I'll take a break and go sit out there and um, I'll sometimes like call my parents out there and it's like really fun to see what's going on. Like there's a lot of people that will like hacky sack out there. Sometimes it's a great place to take a study break and it's also just really beautiful and you can kind of look up through campus and see um, like all the buildings and it's kind of a great place to just look at how beautiful the campus is. What are you reading right now? 
what am I reading? Um, I'm reading Trevor Noah's autobiography called mm-hmm. Born a Crime, and it's about his life growing up in South Africa, and he's, like, the host on The Daily Show, and he also has some really good Netflix specials, like stand-up specials, mm-hmm. and he's really funny, and his life is crazy. He has some, like, really funny stories, um, so I'd highly recommend reading it. It's a pretty easy read, so. What's your favorite place to eat in Tacoma? Um, I really like pho, so there's pho Thai, and East and West, which is right um, by campus if you're looking for something convenient, um, but I just really, really love pho, and there's a lot of good places in Tacoma to go and get that. Lastly, Ruby, why is Puget Sound so special? Ooh, why is it so special? It is truly a great place. There are so many cool opportunities that I never really pictured myself having when I came to school here. Um, Like, I probably never pictured myself planning an entire orientation program (laughs) or, like, working in a big admission program or, like, doing... I'm a like a beatboxer in an acapella group and I do so many things that I never thought I'd be able to do because Puget Sound is the place that kind of invites you to do things that you never thought you'd be able to do before and so the community just really lifts you up and makes you feel like you're a part of something great and um, now that I'm like wrapping up my time here in the next year I've been thinking about this a lot and I think that Everyone just like wants to make it a really awesome place and wants to lift people up. Even when you are writing a paper or taking a test, you know, you want to make it the best place possible. And the people are really here to do that. So that's why I love Puget Sound. Ruby Kreitzman, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks, Elena. Thank you to our guest and to you, the listener. You can follow Puget Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. And we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast. Mm-hmm.